Coffee or tea? Tea. Summer or winter? Oh, that's a difficult one. I like the cold because I'm from Scotland, but I like the long nights of summer. So I'm going to choose summer. Okay. That's a difficult one. <laughs> um, I am summer all the way. Um, murder mysteries or rom-coms? Uh, murder mysteries. Night out or night in? Night out. Welcome to my podcast, Rashad in Conversation. I'm your host, Rashad Isa. Quality professionals strive to make businesses and society a better place, regardless of the sector we work in. We do not achieve such efforts single-handedly though. We engage with so many people and subject matter experts from around the world. Having a clear understanding of how and who we interact with makes a successful calibration and helps in driving winning strategies. Today, I'm joined by William Rankin, a senior quality leader with 18 years of experience in quality and management systems. He works across four different industries, pharmaceutical, oil and gas, nuclear fusion, and satellite communications. William is the chair of the Global Audit Special Interest Group for the Chartered Quality Institute, and he was recently awarded the Volunteer of the Year by the Chartered Quality Institute in the International Quality Awards 2022. I am delighted to welcome him onto my podcast because in this episode, we are going to dive deep into what William does as a quality professional. William, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Rashad, and thank you very much for the invite. Delighted to be here. The pleasure is all mine. I cannot believe that I've known you for such a long time, yet I only got to meet you face to face at the awards earlier in this year. Yeah, it was a, such a fantastic experience. It was such a shock as well to be nominated for something, you know, as a volunteer, we do it because we're passionate about giving something back and learning at the same time. Um, but now that obviously we're coming towards the end of the pandemic, it was actually nice to be face to face with people again. So whilst we spoke through LinkedIn and, you know, communicated through different mediums that way to actually shake your hand and see you in 3D and see the rest of the team as well. It was such a brilliant day. It was absolutely fantastic. It is. It's sometimes you get to forget that we exist behind just beyond just a small square or rectangle on a screen. I do have full arms and legs. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, William, I've I've given a a bit of an introduction, but I'm fully aware that this introduction is not fair to everything that you do. So could you please share with our listeners a bit of your background, your career and how did you get into quality? Sure. Um, I think... I came into quality by total accident. And this is a common theme when you speak to other quality professionals. Um, you know, and I've had this discussion even just, you know, over the past two weeks, because we've been running some uh, planning workshops for next year in, the, in our global audit team, uh, the CQI. And um, I honestly just stumbled into it by complete accident. I didn't study at university. Um, it wasn't my background as such. Um, I actually studied environmental management systems um, 
And my first job actually was a clean room technician at the health protection agency. And it was there that um, I basically started to learn very quickly um, quality management and quality assurance. Um, and it was in a kind of highly regulated environment um, that really kind of brought me very quickly to understand the importance of what we do, why we do, because it's a deliverable for a customer. Um, so really from there, it was like, I immediately got hooked. It was just a, you know, it's just really enjoyed what I was doing. Um, and I kind of grew very quickly because when I get passionate about something, I get really interested in it very quickly and it grows quickly and I want to learn. And I'm very keen on, we'll talk about this as we go through the podcast, but um, especially if it's something new, and this was a whole new world to me. And, um, you know, it quickly grew into different areas like auditing. Um, in those days, it was highly regulated because of the industry I was in. Um, learning about how to deal with problems as well in a logical way. Um, and I kind of just kind of grew out, you know, outwards from there. So I, I went to a, num a number of other pharmaceutical companies um, and kind of got to the point where... Um, and this is the other thing about quality that I was learning as I was going through my journey. It's a transferable skill. So as you said, Rashad, I've, I've across four industries in my career thus far. Um, so I got an opportunity to explore and develop my career further in the oil and gas industry, which is a complete different environment to, you know, highly regulated clean rooms, dealing with vaccine, you know, vaccine productions, um, coming into you know, going into steelworks, for example, but the logic is still the same. You know, you're working with suppliers, you're working with clients, you're working with requirements, um, you're working with management systems to have a deliverable and input to, you know, reach an output. And I spent eight years in pharmaceutical industry and I spent eight years in oil and gas working for different um, kind of blue chip companies. And I learned my trade through those kind of, you know, 16 years, shall we say, in terms of a real kind of, um, you know, just learning the, the tools, techniques. I grew in confidence, particularly in certain niche areas of quality, particularly auditing, supplier quality. Um, and I've done a lot of my kind of training um, formally through sponsorships with companies. So whether it be ISO lead auditor, um, you know, whether it be root cause analysis training, um, and I was fortunate to get a lot of investment. Um, and I think a lot of that was due to my passion to keep learning. You keep, you know, learning, whether it's learning off teams, team members I work with, collaboration, or whether it's, you know, formal external calls that, you know, was needed, and, you know, not just because it was needed, because I wanted it as well. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, I diversified even further into nuclear fusion, which is a highly technical industry. But it shows you again that, you know, at the end of the day, when you're working with a process, you know, and you bring quality into the mix, it shows how much value we add as professionals. Um, but again, I got to learn new things in a different way, shall we say, especially around kind of design, change management and auditing to those very specific, unique requirements. Um, more recently, in the last five years, I've been working for a um, British satellite company. Um, I've kind of, as I've grown through my career, I'm reaching the point now where I'm starting to own things. So I'm responsible or accountable to lead. And, you know, that's coming into this area of new learnings for me, if you like, because I'm starting to share my experiences with others. 
And I find that extremely rewarding. And that's partly why I do a lot of the volunteering as well, mixed in with my career, because I like to chat with people. I like to see best practice. I like to, you know, understand what other people are doing. And CQI is one, is one area that gives you that kind of canvas to go and explore and go and, go and do things and some, you know, lead. So over the last sort of four or five years, I've actually, through all my learnings up till now, you know, I, I lead the internal audit program at MSAT, not just for quality, for management systems generally. Um, I'm also looking at how we deploy um, certifications as well um, and different types of certifications in order to meet customer requirements. So a lot of my responsibilities are about, you know, not only owning audit as a function, but owning how we um, plan for success when it comes to management systems and certifications. So I've got to the point now where I still want to learn, but, you know, there's a fine balance now, and, you know, learning to sharing my learnings with others so we can work as a team to get to where we want to be. So it's been a quite a, it's been a fast paced 18 years. It's gone, you know, very, very quickly. Um, and, you know, I'm getting to the position now where I'm starting to look more strategically as we move forward. And that's one of the things I'm doing just now is I keep focusing on my continued professional development. I'm actually just started my MBA program. So I'm looking wow. at this whole um, kind of business planning at the moment as well and so how quality fits into that. And again, it's part of, um, you know, having these opportunities to follow them through, and you know, that passion to keep learning something new and applying that into the work-based um, activities that we do and sharing it with others also. Well, this is, this is fantastic. Thank you so much for, for sharing this journey, William, and congratulations on starting your MBA. I'd be interested to have a similar talk later on once you finish the course, and then we can touch base and sometimes compare notes as well. I'm just going to pick up on a couple of things that you've mentioned, which are really valuable for me personally, and hopefully the listeners will appreciate as well. You've, you've moved between four different sectors. And the sectors are not similar in any shape or form. They each come with their different, nuan different nuances as well as different types of regulation and sort of different layers of details that you need to be familiar with. But what you said clearly on from the beginning is it's a transferable skill. You start learning and you see how you mold your experience. So this is one that's very important. Uh, I have um, one of my quality gurus that I always look up to. Um, and sort of I admire uh, is called Estelle Clark. Uh, she is a fabulous kind of brain power of quality man management for businesses. And she told me once, and I still hold on to this, is if you want to drive the best improvement for a business, they've got to bring somebody that's not within the sector. We were having a conversation and saying, you know, like, I, what if I don't understand this? Well, good, because sometimes it's the simple questions you ask that people around the table take for granted that will make them take a pause, stop and engage with the conversation and go onto that discovery journey again, rather than being on autopilot. So, yes, I, I totally appreciate moving across multiple sectors and bringing the added value. The other point I want to I want to pick up on is um, your curiosity to learn. Project um, Management Institute uh, launched a paper about 
three years ago or two and a half years ago, which they talk about um, um, for project professionals worldwide, how can they make sure that they have their skills that are still relevant to the market that we're in today? And they've introduced something called the Project Management Technology Quotient, the PMTQ. Just like you talk about EQ, you talk about the PMTQ. And one of the key skills about this PMTQ is curiosity always on. For a project professional to be successful, they have to constantly and always be curious as to the systems they work with, the technology, the infrastructure they work with, because that's the only way they can drive that improvement and that end results. So it's good that you've talked about curiosity as well. So thank you very much. So, with this great experience that you have, William, I am interested for you to please share with us one great success story that you think other professionals would benefit once they hear. I think, you know, in terms of seeing people understand what we bring to an organization, I think it's when people, or sorry, when I say people, I'm saying, you know, when, when we get that message about value of what quality professionals can bring to a business, for example, when that is understood, that is the biggest satisfaction in my career. So, for example, I've worked in certain sectors, certain industries, certain businesses where perhaps quality management, let's use the you know, 9001 or QMS as an example, is basically we just need it we just need to do it you know it's there because it's we have to do it our clients are demanding it and you know a lot of previous perhaps connotations of that is it might be a tick box exercise and that's something i just wholeheartedly disagree with but once you can convince and influence um you know that you know certain types of individuals in terms of you know what we can bring and show the value of that and then it's not noticed if you like that is just powerful and I think using that experiences over my career to show that quality as an example can bring so much more than just having a cert on the wall um, you know we're here to make a difference and a positive difference and we've got a toolbox that we can select to bring that into the mix I think that for me is a big thing. I also think growing talent. Now I've come to the point in my career where, you know, I've learned quite a lot and obviously I want to keep learning as I go on, but sharing that experience with others and seeing them thrive is a fantastic self-satisfying thing to see and do, whether it be through volunteering, whether it be through my work. So for example, Part of where my current role is is to develop auditors now it was you know we decided as part of our strategy for that that you know we weren't just going to go out and recruit a bunch of audit professionals for example we would actually develop within and we seek volunteers across the business um we're now up to 25 i think at the latest count on wow. our kind of team um, that's come forward because they want to learn a new skill. And these are engineers, project managers, um, HR, finance, and they all bring a unique um, skill set to the table. And the fact that they're curious, and I'm using that word curiosity, because that's an auditor's trait, I truly believe in, 
they come forward to learn, but because they've got different um, experiences across the business, they're going to add immediate value. So we've been developing that over the last five years, um, and we've now actually developed them further um, to have a team of multidisciplined auditors across different standards. And that, for me, has been a massive success in my career thus far, is actually an example case study um, to talk about. And, you know, that's a discussion to share as best practice. And we talked about that at the conference, for example, so the conference just a few months ago as part of the audit SIG. And it's using ex examples like that that really give a, a, a really positive spin on things. So for me, it's a couple of things. It's showing and bringing to life the value through, you know, quality, what it can bring. Um, and that can be through, through a different means of fixtures, you know, whether it's customer reputation, business reputation, you know, the, the impact on our customers, retaining business, winning new business, the spread of the reputation, you know, that's impactful. You can't put a cost on that sometimes. Um, to just making really people think simple changes, simple quality tools, and actually the effectiveness and efficiency from that deployment of a simple quality tool could be a very simple question in an audit environment that can actually stop and make anyone think differently make a swift change, I could save a lot of money and actually make my life easier or draw someone's job easier. That is, you know, that for me is a big win. That has been a big win through various examples in my career. So a mixture of both. Seeing people develop and seeing value delivered. That's that's absolutely brilliant. And it's, it's very commendable, William, to see all of that efforts because um, we all as humans, we enjoy our own sort of successes, how we progress and how we make the most out of our own stories and our own experiences. But to see that we can contribute to others, um, I totally agree, um, is, is, um, uh, is a feeling of its own. Um, so so I'm, I'm glad to hear that you are cultivating that in your work environment. And just to clarify a few things to our listeners as well, when we talk about the audit SIG, um, this is this is us as quality professionals. We like all other industries, like our own acronyms. So we're talking about the audit special interest group. And I tell you, I am not dramatizing when I say that the conference, the first audit conference that was hosted by this audit SIG was an online sensation because all of my social media platforms that I work with were just filled with beautiful content. And everybody I spoke to that attended the conference received some very good value from that conference. The first of its kind. I'm not going to say one of its kind. I'm going to say the first, because hopefully we're going to see a lot more of such conferences coming through. And that's thanks to you, William, and all of the team who volunteered from the audit SIG to actually get the efforts together and put everything there. Let's now flip the coin. We've talked about successes. We've talked about curiosity, nurturing talent. What about an incident or a situation that you've been put through where through applying quality principles or you stepping in as a quality professional have helped save the day for a particular organization, team, or process? I think when it comes to the the profession generally, um, you know, it's perceived that quality often will step in to facilitate and help. And that's always been the case. 
And I want to kind of spin this into two parts to the question as well, if that's okay. I think it's key that we can help. And there's been lots of different occasions where, you know, we've jumped into whether it be do a, a kind of investigation and lead that investigation, you know, and again, using our toolkits and experience to ask the right question. And it might be through curiosity or it might be through um, general experience, shall we say, um, to get the right information out and understand, you know, what went wrong in a specific area. So you've got the reactive side. I do think though, um, you know, there's been various examples where we've learned different tools through learnings, we've applied them in the working environment. And there's been various examples where they either will save potential, you know, high hazard events from happening um, through good, you know, investigation and output controls improvement that way, or, We've looked at things like how we could save the business money based on events that's happened. So again, good root cause analysis should be part of a, a good quality professional's toolkit, shall we say. So I've definitely mm -hmm. been involved with all of that. I kind of look at more of the, I'm more passionate about the proactive things. What could go wrong before it's likely to happen? So I spent a lot of my time in my career kind of advocating to businesses whether it's in any of the industries that we've forementioned, to you know, use risk as a tool for good. So whether it's in H health and safety, looking at near misses and focusing on doing investigations there to assess how good, how effective or efficient our safety controls are in the workplace, for example, especially in the heavy engineering world, you know, because we're talking potential loss of life as well in certain instances and there's mm -hmm. been examples where our investigations have led to investment to potentially you know stop these potential hazards happening but the other thing from a quality angle is using effective tools from my you know toolkit called fmea failure mode effects analysis this is something that's been around for a long long time started with nasa way back in the apollo days but it's still used today and it's an example of how it can make a massive difference you know, and I kind of like to spin the, the you know, the, the kind of tail to that end and show examples where, you know, we've looked at our process controls, we've highlighted to, and again, this is selling the value of quality, so linking it back with successes, you know, showing good facts and data, objectivity, you know, if we, you know, selling the point, if we invest now, you know, we can save the business a tremendous amount of money and waste in the future. And also the impact on our clients um, is going to be recognized as well. Um, so I've had a lot of success advocating the passion for proactive quality. Um, and I, you know, it's something very hard on. So I think in terms of saving the day, it's it's making sure your message is clear and concise about what you're trying to make a difference in. And I've tried to link these discussion points with previous parts, as I've said, but for me using the toolkit in the right way and, you know, bringing people on that journey with you um, is absolutely key. And again, there's lots of different case studies and the specific case studies where the businesses have invested, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars um, to make a difference in a, in a process, for example, um, that went, you know, problem free for the entire duration of our project. And we're talking months here. And that saved the business potentially a lot of issues. And actually the client um, recognized that. And um, it was, you know, it showed you the value of quality at the end of the day.
I tell you what, um, we get a lot of businesses, um, and they still exist, many of them until today, uh, where they focus on let's get people who are very efficient in helping us fix problems. And yes, we do need fixer problems, if that's if that's the right word. We do need people who know how to fix problems, but it would be a lot more worthy, a lot more valuable when we can have something in place, a framework that would help us as businesses, as departments, as teams, to try and stop problems from happening. And knowing that when a problem happens, we have a good framework in place that will, will help us then solve these problems um, effectively. But to constantly play that firefighting role because problems will keep happening is not, is not a model that I've ever heard succeeded. It could be worth working for a short period of time, but it's not a model that is a scalable nor sustainable. Because if we just focus on people, people will eventually burn out. They cannot keep every single day of their jobs dealing with problems in and out. So we need to do something to help them with that. And for everybody that's listening, we've talked a lot and, and you've mentioned a lot your toolkit and, and um, whatever industry you're in, uh, you will always hear professionals talk about sort of their, in sales people talk about their black box, you know, their contacts. Call professionals talk about this black box is the toolkit. And while those toolkits are not reinvented, we all use similar toolkits. They're all available and you, they can be searched academically throughout the decades. Each quality professional takes certain toolkits and maybe there is about 10 with probably about three that we go to regularly that we use, um, whether you're talking about audits, whether you're talking about checklists, whether you're talking about root cause analysis, those toolkits that we refer to, those will bring uh, a lot of um, added value. But risk-based thinking. For anybody that's not worked in an environment where they address the risk, I would highly advise to just write down in a simple piece of paper, how likely is this to happen? And if it did happen, what will the impact be? And if your response caused you goosebumps or to raise an eyebrow, you know you've got something you have to focus on. You cannot let it go. And if you start from there in a simplistic way, then you are on the right path where quality can save the day and a preventative approach. William, I'm very conscious of time, but I'm interested to know something with your experience and background. Where do you get your source of inspiration? How do you keep yourself up to date? I just love the simplicity of picking something up quickly, reading it that makes sense, um, whether it be a topic of risk, applying a tool, or whether it's something on strategy, which is through my MBA just now. Um, but I like things, content, like the CQI drive as well, because I'm part of the contents advisory panel. So, you know, listening, hearing, collaborating with people, using the volunteering portfolios we've talked about, um, sharing best practices, learning. Um, they're the ways I pick up things. I'm more of a an active type learner. Um, and when it comes to going into the future, I don't think I'll change that way. I like to keep you know these focused reading specifics you know that's what excite me in terms of learning and um 
Yeah, I suppose I was too. You know, if there's any books I have read in the past, it would be kind of you mentioned your idol is is, is like Estelle, who who I know, and she's fantastic. She is an absolute um, unbelievable quality and just person. Um, I look up to David Hutchins, um, who you may know. Um, yes. I've met. I've been lucky enough to meet David, and it was just through the fact that um, he just is just a lovely man, and he's an inspiration. And we've had him speak at the Thames Valley branch, which I'm a committee member of. And the stories that he, he kind of goes through and he's worked with the greats and quality and the fact he can bring it to life with simple examples. And it's like, for me, that kind of thing is awe-inspiring. Um, so I have read David's books, um, but just having a conversation with David, uh, you know, the, it's just listening to legends, living legends like him that, you know, make you want to do more and, you know, learn more. Um, so, you know, that would be my kind of, you know, in terms of response, that's what kind of things I get up to. Anyway. That's great. And, 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 and yes, I am fully aware of David. And <laughs> what I love about his stories is they're always from around the world. There's yes. always a story of when he were in this country or that country or that continent yeah. or somewhere around. So truly uh, great stories to listen to. He's fantastic. He's absolutely brilliant. And uh, he, he's just a, a dear friend as well. Really good. Um, thank you so much for this lovely conversation. And I wish you a fantastic weekend. Thank you so much, Rashad, for the invite. It's been a delightful pleasure. Thank you. You have been listening to Rashad in Conversation with me, your host, Rashad Isa. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe, follow or download as I bring you monthly guests from around the world to share their stories of the quality profession.